electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Market Moving Insight and Analysis. Join Jim Cramer, David Faber, and me, Carl Quintanilla, on the opening bell hour of CNBC Squawk on the Street. Good Friday morning, everybody, and welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm David Faber, along with Jim Cramer, and we are live from the New York Stock Exchange. Carl has the morning off. Let's give you a look at futures as we get ready to start the final trading day of the week. And you can see, well, the Dow is certainly going to be powering to potentially yeah. a higher open. Yeah, I don't really pay attention to the Dow. You know that. Statistically insignificant uh, price-weighted index that it is. Let's get to our roadmap this morning. It does start with stocks looking to rebound following yesterday's sell-off. The Nasdaq is still on pace for what would be its worst week since mid-May. Plus, President Biden taking aim, well, at a lot of different industries. Oh. Big tech, though, it's a, it's a sweeping new competition order, although just how sweeping is actually, Thank perhaps you. people got a little carried Thank away yesterday. Asking. Thank you for saying that. You're welcome. Uh, we'll give you more details. Jim and I will talk a bit more about that. And we've got an exclusive with Levi's uh, CEO, Chip Berg. That stock, by the way, uh, did... Uh, well, it's going up because well, uh, yeah, great because they beat uh, beat on earnings. We'll be talking to uh, Mr. Quarter. Berg. We'll start with those markets, though. Following yesterday's volatile session, of course, uh, we were down at the open a lot more than we ended at the close. Jim, don't know what you take away from that market action. I think that there's there's always an overhang. Once Europe closed, we started catching a bid. I think there were also people who noticed that the bond market cooled for a second. It was up for four straight days, but it cooled. Uh, also, David, you can only discount the same thing over and over again. I mean, obviously, we're at one, we all know that late rates went lower. So every day, are we supposed to sell stocks as rates go lower when it's actually good for stocks? Right. I know. I know the algos said it was the algos. Do you know that, David, and we're going to hear from uh, Levi's, yes. there's an algorithm for everything. I mean, like I, some, I, I said to my wife the other day, I said, listen, the algorithm says I got to brush my teeth. I mean, you know, we're ruled by there's, there's an algo and there's AI for everything. It, you say AI, now it's everything. I had a conversation yesterday of uh, AI software. I can't go into it because it's, it's about an upcoming potential SPAC deal, but every, AI and everything. You no, so say I, AI and it's right. all good. I point these good. out. I mean, we're kind of mildly joking about it, but yes. I think one of the problems that we have is that a lot of our viewers do not understand when we say the algorithm right. determines how Levi's is doing. And AI is omnipresent when the fact is, is that AI is often just observation. Right. So we want to try to, as people who are on TV trying to demystify, there are too many people who bring up things that are actually obfuscating. It's true. And But yesterday you had all sorts of different explanations for that. What has been a significant drop in the yield of the 10-year yes. bond over the last number of weeks including yesterday hitting one, two, five straight up. Obviously, as you point out, we did close a higher yield than that. But so many different explanations when very much, uh, much of it may have just been technical. Or, right. Tec that's yeah. right. Technical is simple another. As, I mean, it's just, well, there are a lot of buyers because there just were a lot of buyers. Right, there were buyers and sellers, <laughs> as I learned from Michael Steinhardt when yes. I started a hedge fund. But I do think yesterday, David, I had Dr. Uh, Eric Topol on. Yes. And it's very clear that the Delta story has gripped the world. 
Let, let's get to that, Jim, because I, I do want to, and let's give you some of the news this morning about that. Pfizer is saying that it's developing a COVID booster shot intended to target that Delta variant. But both the CDC and FDA saying that may not be needed at this time. When it comes to what the CDC tells us, Jim, unfortunately, given their track record over the last year and a half, you do have to do more work. Do people, one thing that people have to remember, as great as Dr. Borla is and Pfizer is, they still have to, this is not sacrilege, make their quarter. Yes. Now, there are too many people, medical professionals, who in the last 24 hours have said they do not, you do not need a booster. But you make money if you're Pfizer. Now, have you seen the patent clip that Pfizer has? Have I'm you seen a, the drop-off? I'm aware of it. And they have been trying to reposition the company and yes. potentially carve out different areas that they had not been known as a champion of right. to now, try David, to change you know, when, the when a drug company, narrative. When, it, when they solve a illness, it's the Gilead. People call it the Gilead. Right. Hep C. Right. Gilead goes to 110. They solve it, and then it goes to... Gilead is a great story. We talked about it throughout that period, of course, where they, again, did cure the disease. Remember, there was so much resistance to the price, but we would point out, yeah, but 12 weeks or whatever the course of treatment was, then you're done. And then you won't get it ever again. You're cured. And, of course... When we go back, guys, this is not going to show what we're talking about here. Oh, That's you not, do a five-year. You've five you, you got to do, do a five-year five year. and show the move up in Gilead to, what would it have been, $130, $140 billion market cap company. Um, and then the, um, the, the challenge of remdesivir, which turned out to be, of course, a little, uh, yeah. let's say, ill-advised as a way to be able to conquer the disease. It didn't do that. I, but, even, I don't yeah. even think we're capturing it fully no, we're still there. Not. Let's go five, back. Let's Gilead do ten. At one twenty. Let's go ten. Yeah. No. Give it, me a ten. I remember the day that they bought. Do you remember they bought the company that that solved it? There. And it there is. were like twelve There's people. There's the peak right there. I didn't yeah. realize it so long ago. Well, there were years, so many smart people who said this is fly by. It was it's like seven times earnings. Well, when they bought Pharmaset for eleven right. billion dollars, and it was it had uh, it was in New Jersey. It had like twelve people working for yeah, it. It's almost like a meme stock. A lot yeah. of the meme stocks have twenty people working yeah. for them. I had to mention meme because they're running Except a that was an together. incredible purchase by them, and it led to obviously it led that. led to this. Right. And I think Pfizer doesn't want to do anything wrong. I think that you want to have belt and suspenders when it comes to this illness. But I also think that Pfizer is an incredible patent clip. And they better take that money and buy someone. And they got to buy someone that's substantial. Well, you've talked about that, and then that oh, gets Jordan back a to a conversation clip. we're going to have in a bit, which is more about antitrust and whether, in fact, they will be able to buy Sweeping somebody. Sweeping statement against business by President Biden. Yeah, not quite so much as, no. we, as, as might have been led Does he think he's David Costin, you know, making a change, S&P cutting numbers? I, I don't know. Who's more powerful, Costin or Biden when it comes to cutting numbers? Uh, Biden. Um, let's get back to the Delta variant for a moment here sure. if we can, because it does seem to be a part of the market conversation again. We went a number of months where we really were not talking about COVID, thankfully, very often at all. Of course, as case numbers dropped dramatically. And they have continued to, but now they've sort of started to move up a little bit. Certainly in places that are unvaccinated. Right. I mean, you had had Dr. Eric Topol on Mad Money last night, and it's worth taking a listen to what he had to say. This country has had an incredible track record for lack of any symptomatic breakthrough infections, you know, 99.5% of the deaths that have occurred have been in unvaccinated people. So few of any serious infections, severe illness has occurred in people vaccinated. But we're just now, Jim, getting into the time when Delta is dominant in this country. 
and it is showing up big time. Big time. Yeah. And Dr. Topol is not a, a man of hyperbole. Uh, his books are tremendous. He was a tremendous. He's a great doctor. He's a practicing doctor. David, he, he took aim at the FDA, the, light, the likes of which I've never heard anyone take aim at the FDA. Specific to what? Saying that because they continue to use the emergency use uh, rubric, they're uh, keeping employers from being able to say, this is, you must take it. Once the emergency use is dropped, there's no liability for employers to say you must take it. Interesting. So that's, right. an, important, that's an important change. Right. He says it's not about the you've been talking government. about it. Right. And he said, by the way, he checked in with, you know, he, had a, he had a very tough op-ed piece. And the FDA went after him for it. Hmm. And um, uh, he spoke to a bunch of previous FDA commissioners. David, no one understands why the FDA is doing what it's doing, why they went against. Remember, 10 people out of 10 voted against the Biogen drug, yeah. and they still approved it, the Alzheimer's Although drug. they now have reduced the label. They have right, reduced but, the patient population that it is for. But to quote the late Roger Ailes, when I first decided to disagree with him when I worked at Fox, yes. you are really off the reservation. Did he say that yeah, to you? Yeah, he said I was off the reservation. The FDA is off the reservation. That's one of the more frightening periods of my life, by the way, when I worked for Roger. Um, I did want to come back to something that I've been following now for, I mean, amazingly enough, let's call it almost a year and a half or close to it, which is, well, now a drug called molnupiravir. We've talked about it a lot. It's the Merck drug. It's an antiviral. They are in the midst of phase three uh, study uh, around the world, uh, enrolling as many as 1,450 patients who have, who know they have COVID, but it's early, right? You give them the oral antiviral and you see what happens. In, flu. in India, exactly. Uh, Hetero, which is a, a company uh, uh, that is a vertically integrated pharmaceutical company in I- India, they actually had a, um, a voluntary license for this. They do. And they've given us a look uh, at a kind of an interim study. 741 patients is what we're talking about. They want to roll 1,200. But, Jim, this is exactly what we've been talking about for some time. Namely, this greatly reduces the viral load in people who take it. Again, not when you got it seriously, not when you're in the hospital. This is early. But to your point and the one I've been making now for so long, this is sort of a Tamiflu. Remember, the U.S. government has already ordered $1.2 billion worth of this drug from Merck if and when it gets uh, emergency use approval. It probably won't be till the fall that we fully see the phase three data that Merck is putting together. But this was an interesting, I thought, data point worth sharing from uh, from this Indian company that has been also conducting its own phase three study based on this voluntary license it had for the drug. Um, it's, it's interesting. Merck stuck again, not reacting. Uh, no. But yeah, obviously, Although it did react a bit to the initial when we when we did see that order from the U.S. government, that would be it, David. That would be the holy grail, because you would then have the safety net. Uh, Dr. Topol's adamant that 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 most people uh, do not get sick. There are people, though, who get vaccinated. You're right. You're vaccinated. It's highly unlikely you're going to get sick. Right. Although we all know anecdotally people who have got sick. Yes. And there are many people I know of going back to masking because of the inability of our country to get everybody. Right. But I will and say our country's done better than every other country. And the more the virus is all over the place, the cha- you know, it's a breeding ground for, for the virus to actually mutate to right. the point where vaccines won't work. Right. And you know, we can't just... I mean, someone said to me yesterday, Indonesia, huge country, it could, be, it could be overrun by COVID, and Americans don't care. And it's like, 
I don't want to say that. I mean, we've got billions of that. We, we've produced billions of doses. I think our country's been very a very good actor here. Yeah. Uh, but you know, you know what? I think you have to watch that bio, uh, BioNTech's the partner of Pfizer. Because yeah. I think the Chinese are about to cave. I think the Chinese are going to admit that their vaccine doesn't work. is very ineffective, and they're going to do them. They're going to team up as their economy starts to slow a bit. Well, as a result you saw of that you saw that they cut the uh, the reserve rates yes. for the small, medium-sized yes. uh, business people because China is slowing rather dramatically. One look at the chart of copper will tell you exactly what's up to China, and I know that China is all powerful, but and Eunice Yu has been on. You know, Eunice Yu visited their vineyard. They have a, they're trying to recreate Napa. I'm not kidding. I believe you. Camus is going to come from China one day. The Harlem, even. All right, coming up, we're going to have a closer look at the White House's uh, crackdown, uh, essentially, on big tech. That uh, executive order we talked a good deal about yesterday that pressured the rails in particular. Well, how much is it really dealing with the rails? Not much, it turns out, but we'll have a lot more for you. Take a look at futures as we head to break. We're right back. Every day, thousands of Comcast engineers and technologists put people at the heart of everything they create, like Olu Shei, a Comcast engineer who grew up bonding with his dad over sports. This inspired him and his team to create AI Highlights technology that uses AI and machine learning to detect the major plays in a sporting event. So millions of fans have a way of catching up on their favorite sports. Learn more at ComcastCorporation.com. Let's get straight to the point. You want to grow your portfolio to fight rising costs of inflation or pay off your debt or anything standing in the way of you and financial freedom, right? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, can help. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been helping great investors like you. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just looking for tips, Yahoo Finance makes it super easy by putting all the tools and data you need in one spot. Yahoo Finance takes a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and more. You can securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. That's how Yahoo Finance gives you insights and helps you take a look at your wealth in its entirety. That big picture perspective is what great investors need. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor. YahooFinance.com, the number one financial destination. YahooFinance.com. That's YahooFinance.com. President Biden is set to sign a new antitrust executive order. It would rein in big tech, potentially. Our Elon Moy has a lot for us there uh, to digest. Elon. Well, David, it's not just big tech. It's so much more than that, too. President Biden does plan to sign that executive order this afternoon, and it's aimed at fighting corporate consolidation across the economy. The White House will argue that decades of mergers and acquisitions have led to a concentration of power in key industries, namely agriculture, healthcare, and, of course, tech. It is calling on the DOJ and the FTC to ramp up antitrust scrutiny in those sectors, including of deals that have already been done. Competition is in the benefit of uh, consumers, of businesses, and of innovation, and that vigorous enforcement of our antitrust laws is consistent with that and indeed necessary uh, to actually create a competitive landscape, uh, not just in the tech sector, but across, across the board. Now, on tech specifically, the administration wants the FTC to zero in on privacy, competition through free products, data collection, serial mergers, and so-called killer acquisitions in its antitrust enforcement. 
The White House is also encouraging the FTC to craft new rules for how tech platforms can collect data and track their users. It wants the agency to bar unfair methods of competition on Internet marketplaces as well in order to protect small businesses. Now, these moves are all part of a government-wide effort to reframe this debate around competition, guys. They're saying it's not just about price anymore. It's also about wages, job mobility, and privacy. The White House says those are the signs of healthy markets and a healthy economy. Back over to you. Okay, Elon, thank you. Uh, yeah, Jim, it's interesting how they are reframing it. Of course, we've based so much of our antitrust focus right. on whether or not it benefits the consumer or not, whether it results in higher prices. Right, but look, for let's take T-Mobile um, and Sprint. Yep. Uh, I thought that would be a bad deal for customers. That's wrong. I mean, it's not as easily, it's not cut and dry. It's never cut and dried. And in that one, of course, they had the case of saying, well, we're going to be a much more robust competitor as one company than we are as two sort of companies with weaker balance sheets, not able to compete with the big two. Do you think that that's just um, anecdotal and empirically we could observe that prices have gone up in this country? I think that there, it depends on the industry. And I think it's a tough, it's an, you know, can you prove what innovation has not occurred is difficult to prove as a result of of the dominance of these enormous platforms. The greatest price cutter in history is uh, Andy Jassy for uh, uh, yes, Amazon. CEO of Amazon. 47 cuts in a period of about four years. Uh, I don't really get, uh, look, President Biden, if someone said to him, let's really come down on companies, he, how, what's he going to do? He's going to say, listen, companies make too much money. I mean, yeah, it, look, well, and Nancy well. Pelosi, the speaker yesterday, said that she's against buybacks for drug companies. I mean, the Democrats have taken on a new tone. They have. Uh, they're a- aided, at least in part, on the technology side by the Republicans. It's interesting. I know. Right, where there, there's a different, there are different issues, but it's resulting in similar uh, sentiments, which is enough. I think that the biggest bargains in the country have been, let's say, Apple, okay? Well, Apple's so good that T-Mobile gives it to you in order to be able to open an account. I mean, right. a, lot of, a, a lot of, I think they're being simplistic. President Biden's being simplistic. Why not you, say the KSU deal well, is a bad deal well, by the way, because they talk, of X? I mean, on, oh, there's a couple of things I want to ask you, but you mentioned the rails. We should keep an eye on KSU. It was down sharply yesterday. Norfolk Southern course. was down so big yesterday. It was yesterday. down sharply yesterday because uh, when we read about in the journal, at least, the possibility of sort of sweeping potential reforms in terms of the rails and shippers, there was a lot of concern. It's coming back a bit today because, frankly, there's not a lot in here about the rails at all, and it really deals with the big four to the extent it deals with any of the freights whatsoever, not KSU, which, by the way, this deal is being reviewed under the new merger rules, which are a bit more stringent. So uh, perhaps some relief today for those who own that stock and are expecting that they will get approval from the STB for the voting trust. It's so key to CN's ability to actually execute it. Do you think a lot of what's happening is a, uh, let's say, uh, recidivist to some degree? They go back. They want to go back to things the way before President Trump. That where well, there was more scrutiny on business. President Trump, obviously, uh, was pro-business. This what? is a stance that you cannot describe as pro-business. This is more, I think it actually well, more Well, it depends what business it, you're talking about, doesn't it? They well, would say this is pro-business because this about? is pro-competition and it will actually result in more innovation. I'm not saying, and, and or more companies being able to compete in a way that they might not have previously. It's very much unclear that's the case. Well, why, well, By the way, wait for them. They're never going to go after trying to break up a deal that already has taken place and closed. That seems hard to imagine. No, but I but, found, I found the, uh, the entire uh, ride post fatuous. I think it was a fatuous move by the president. It basically just said, we're going to enforce laws. Well, okay. 
do you not think there's any improvement that could be made in the antitrust laws or that they they're 100 years old? I, I think the Clayton that, Act. How, I mean, you know, I think try to get it through Congress. How about just smarter people? People understand the law. Smarter enforcers. Smarter enforcers. Yes. Smarter you don't think Lena Khan's smart? Oh, she's very smart. Yeah. When I you deal know. with business people, I say, you better get your deal done before she really comes in. She's not All right, get yourself ready for a mad dash because we got that coming up. It's the last one of the week, of course, including, of course, the last trading day of the week as we count you down to that. Take a look at futures. We're back right after this. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration. Our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. All right, time for a mad dash as we get ready for an opening bell six and a half minutes from now. GM! You're seeing GM move. You're probably wondering, well, what happened? Is there any news? Well, Dan Ives... Uh, who's all over the place. Remember, he did uh, emphasize that at 116, you should buy Apple. Nice call. He says there's going to be a re-rating of GM because they're investing $35 billion in R&D for electric vehicles. And the piece is called a renaissance of EV growth in Detroit. I say renaissance because of, in honor of Will Frost. Um, but this stock has had quite a move in part on the strength of EV, or at least the belief as oh, Mary Barra uh, has pivoted. You're saying it might be a late call? That's what I'm we, not saying that, but I, I mean, that's pretty no, darn. No, I was going over has, with, has GM ever seen a year like that? When I was, Randy Gerber, Mr. Mr. Pro Tesla right here? Holy cow! Mr. Pro Tesla's here. I'm talking about GM, and I got Mr. Tesla here? I'm making it. <laughs> coming public. It's coming public. Yeah. But yeah, anyway, I think it's, uh, it's a late call. And you do. Yes, I do. And I like Tesla here. I think it's come down enough. I'd rather be in Tesla. Really? Yeah, I think Tesla's come down enough. I'm not just saying that because Randy Gerber's looking at me right now. You like Tesla more than GM, but Ford is still your favorite. Ford is number one because it's almost impossible to get. I am getting a Ford Maverick, okay? Mm -hmm. Well, I'm looking at it. I'm hearing delivery time 2022. Well, Teslas are also not showing up quite when they said they would either. No. I know some friends are still waiting. Tesla's ready. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, you get ready because we got an opening bell five minutes away. Stay with us. All right. Welcome back to Squawk on the Street. We got uh, two minutes before we get to uh, an opening bell here. Uh, Looking for a bit of a higher open, it would appear, after, of course, yesterday's broad sell-off, although not as bad as it was about 24 hours ago. Uh, Jim, what's the key to this market for this day? Well, what I want to see is how do companies react, the stocks react, to really great news. Because yesterday, Costco reported its its monthly numbers, and David, they were just insanely good. Uh, You're talking about fresh foods uh, being up. uh, Jeez, fresh foods is up mid-single digit. Food and sundries up below single digit, but non-foods up below single digit. What I'm basically saying here, David, is that these guys are on fire. And Target and Costco are the two retailers that have really distinguished itself this period. If Costco continues to plow higher, what it says is that perhaps when earnings season begins, if you surprise, you will be rewarded with a higher price. One of the reasons, one of the things we're very worried about is multiple compression. Whether good news is going to people to say that's the last of the good news. Right. Costco, they're saying, uh-uh, 
if it goes up. That's why I want to know, is it the last of the good news? Well, also that you could argue there'd be a rotation in retail. I mean, we some retailers have had incredible moves that we might not have anticipated a year ago. Did I'm you know thinking, that Brian Cornell oh, was going to crush it? For example, right, though, Gap. or Victoria's Secret. I mean, those were L Brands. L Brands is one of the, the um, best performers of the but year. But is that kind of going to play out? I mean, we're going to have Levi's joining us, of course, uh, Chip Berg shortly. Well, but is it, that playing out? And we're going to, I mean, Costco has not performed that well over the course of no, the last but, year as a stock. What as we a stock. want to see is does it react to good news? Because right. Levi's says reacts to good news. And the reason I say that is because overwhelmingly, David, when they have the worst week for the NASDAQ along with down week, what it says to me is be careful because there's not been anything negative, and yet the stocks have come down. There you hear it, the opening bell here at the big board. Advisor shares celebrating the advisor shares Gerber Kawasaki ETF. Yeah, and that was what I was talking about, Randy Gerber. I didn't mean to be so flip, but Randy is one of the feistiest defenders of Tesla. He's who you go to when you want a Tesla defender. No, I mean, we brought him on many times. Over at the NASDAQ fintech platform, Goal Center. Goal. Goal. She's fintech platform. Okay. Yeah. We're up. We'll see how we uh, sort of how we level off here, uh, Jim. You know, um, again, yesterday we came back. Say, yeah, yesterday we came back sharply during the sharply is maybe too strong, but we came back over one. Um, you know, uh, what did we end? 0.9 uh, on the day, something like that on the S and P. We were down as much as one and a half percent. Yesterday was supposed to be a, a sea change. It was not a sea change. We're not going to get a sea change when Stamps.com gets a $6.6 billion bid from Toma Bravo. Toma Bravo. Uh, let's talk about it because it's actually a large deal, and you can see the stock, of course, is up sharply. $330 a share, of course, all cash, given it's a private equity transaction. That is a 67% premium. You can see it's trading a bit below that $330 a share. In fact, pretty tight spread, you'd expect. Uh, there is a 40-day go, go, go shop. We often see this now as a part of any of these go private transactions. 40 days in which they have time to potentially um, consider and solicit alternative acquisition proposals from third parties. Jim, what I found most interesting here, and I don't have a lot of detail on the composition of equity versus debt, but it's who's providing the debt financing. Um, you know, J.P. Morgan advised on the M&A front the buyer, the seller, the Stamps.com. But the the firms providing financing, and I know you'll get this the minute I say it. Blackstone Credit, Aries Management, PSP Investments, and actually Toma Bravo Credit itself providing credit to a deal that its private equity arm is doing. None of those. That's not J.P. Morgan. That's none of those are banks. None of them are banks. banks. Not one. They're all credit funds providing okay, so, so. the financing for what we would assume is going to be a lot of financing for this deal. And okay. I know why, so I'll tell you. But, but I was going to say, if I was President Biden, yeah. I'd just tell you, well, wait a second. I want to look at different industries. I would say uh, this. These are unregulated entities. Maybe you got it. Maybe this right. is a mistake to allow. This. They are, and that's the key here. They're unregulated entities. They're not banks. Therefore, they're not subject to the leverage lending rules that the right. Fed that the Fed yeah. What Jamie Dimon's complaining about over the banks, and so the banks in some way are cut out. Now, J.P. Morgan is advising, but they're not financing, at least not according to the press release. And uh, I think that's interesting. Now, again, I don't know what we're talking about in terms of debt and equity. It's a pretty big. This is a sizable private equity transaction at six but bill. David, I want people at home to recognize how consequential this can be. These companies, not regulated really by the Fed, no. can easily go over their heads. 
Well, now, these they, are credit firms run by very well and well, uh, very reputable. I mean, Blackstone Credit, Aries, yeah, they know what they're doing when it comes to apportioning uh, a credit. But you're right. I mean, the people who are investing in these funds are obviously looking for some sort of significant return above at least treasuries, one would expect, well, taking on risk. But they are financing this deal, not banks. I mean, not that many years ago, it would have been a bunch of banks, right? Well, how about PayPal? How about This it? morning, we hear from Chip Berg. We'll hear from Levi Strauss last night. Uh, in his call. Well, and we're now going to take Venmo and PayPal. All right. So they've become common parlance. They've become uh, a way that this younger generation does transactions. Yes. But David, you know what they're not? They're not banks. Regulated. Right. Right. They're not regulated. And that, that it's, you know, to your point earlier, the regulators are always catching up, it yeah. seems, with the changes that are occurring at a rapid rate in terms of the way I thought he was done. comments were fatuous, and I don't mean to insult the president of the United States, but there are many areas that need to be examined. For instance, are we charging too much for pharmaceuticals, given the fact that I had good RX on last night? And there's, uh, if, unless you're savvy, you could end up paying far too much for pharmaceuticals. So, right. I mean, the people need to be... Sunlight is the best disinfectant. We need to know, Justice Brandeis, we do need to know things about individual industries. And that's what Biden should be focused on, because that's where the people are ripped off. You know, uh, getting back to financing markets, though, I had Mark Schaefer join me yesterday, of course, global head of uh, uh, M&A at City. I mean, he talks about the financing markets being just so wide open. This is another example of that, the Stamps.com transaction. And yet another, I'm sure you saw today, that the overall rate uh, on a high-yield bond is below the inflation rate. No, I mean... Which is a first. Highly unusual We're in the fours. The fours. No. It's very hard to get. People, one thing people have to understand, I know that there's mortgage brokers. The mortgage broker numbers have slowed. Uh, You were talking about Rocket, uh, a great company. You see certain numbers. It's almost impossible to get the mortgage rate that you see posted. Uh, What's your point, though, when I'm talking about high yield, now you've moved on to mortgages? No, I'm saying that it's entirely possible that not everybody can get that high yield rate. There are some companies that are yeah, not. But it's the average. But that's, the average. that's what we're talking well, want, about here. Yes, the I'd like to know the median. Obviously, like you're the median. still deciding what, uh, you know, yes, uh, Carnival Cruise is not going to get that rate. Right. Uh, for something percent. Oh, Although maybe they are now. I don't know. Carnival buying back some of that 11% paper. It does go back to the overall point, which is the capital markets have been so wide open. Liquidity is enormous. Well, should, does that, that concern you at yes, all? That's Lo, Jim, why, taking yes, a broader does. view of history, looking back at 2007 been, and, you know. I think it does. I think that the Fed should be looking at whether, remember, I wanted the Fed to be examining mortgage rates in 2007, not all, not everything. Right. I think the Fed should be saying, it's not about mortgage bond versus not mortgage bond. It should be, are we making credit to available? Yep. And are we being tough enough because we've got companies that that where the Federal Reserve doesn't come in and say, you know what, these loans could all go bad. Right. I mean, to Aries. Right. You know, to Blackstone. I mean, now, these are very good companies. But yeah. eventually, they won't be good companies that do this. Well, no. That's the I mean, you know, typically, they figure out, they know what they're doing. Uh, but, right, to your point, maybe there will be other providers of capital who aren't quite as right. rigorous. Right. Hey, by the way, stamps. Although the banks have certainly shown themselves to not be particularly rigorous on occasion. No, I mean, true. my God, I can remember no, all sorts. I mean, you know, the different types of. But uh, oh, man, stamps. different types of products that were available to corporations oh, back in 06, 07. No, no. And bridge financing. Oh, anybody. Incredible countrywide. bridge financing. Countrywide. But, you know, no one got oh, in trouble. Yeah. That, was, that was mortgage financing. Yeah, yeah. no yeah. one got in trouble. The American people hated that. 
They did. They really um, hated it. Why the banks up so much, Jim? You know, David, they've been down so long, it looks they look up to me. I mean, it's just been a terrible time. By the way, you're, you can come in and buy J.P. Morgan at 150 ahead of the quarter. Yeah. It's kind of interesting, right? Now, remember, guys, who are buying these. There's a couple-day cooling off period where you, they're not going to come in and start buying stock right after the report. Uh, a lot of times what's a good trade with J.P. Morgan is you wait till the report. You wait till people see they're disappointed. You wait till people say oh, it's a head and shoulders chart, and then you buy all right. But that said, they were one of the best performers in the first half of the year. I mean, energy in the banks. I mean, you're still J.P. Morgan still up 20 percent for the year. Bank America up 30 percent. Morgan Stanley up 30 percent. Excellent. They've had great moves this year. They've had great moves. I, I, I think America's Express has come down because of, 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 of Delta. And I think that that's a good opportunity. And people are going to back. People are betting, David, that there's going to be credit use uh, finally. And that they want Capital One, COF. That's become the favorite of the banks. I don't know whether I want to buy COF. I prefer American Express. Steve Squirry, just a fantastic CEO. But Capital One is the one they want to pile into now. That's interesting. I want to come back to something you mentioned during the mad dash, because it's worth mentioning, which is you seem to be warming up to Tesla. You said, in fact, that you no, think... I like Tesla, but it's come down a lot. And I think it's that... It's down, yeah, it's, 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 uh, it's still down for the year, almost 8% for the year. I know, that's kind of intriguing to me. Is it? Yeah. Yeah, look, I think that when I see the numbers in China, people say, oh, they're disappointing. I say, are you kidding me? I mean, given the fact that China has not exactly exhibited a lot of, uh, let's say, friendship toward American companies, they don't seem to be anti-Elon Musk. They did have a recall, but it was really kind of a softer recall. That stock seems interesting to me at 652. Yes. It does. I would buy Tesla. But I would s- buy Tesla. You're still a Ford bull, even with the move I'm that, a Ford that bull stock because has because the F-150, uh, the Lightning next year is going to be Ford's lightning. up 147%. Jim Farley, you've got to understand who Farley is, uh, not just Chris Farley's cousin. That's enough. Jim Farley is a man who is basically, first of all, he's a car guy. He's a car guy. Yes, yeah. you've made that very clear. Well, well no, it matters because he, the last guy was a, 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 a cabinet, cabinet guy. guy. He's a cabinet well, guy. Well, uh, car guys have more to do with cars than steel case, right? I mean, just saying. I uh, but I he has said, Ford has been famous for saying, you know what? Wherever the world, wherever countries will make cars and will sell cars. And he is an apostate. He has said that's over. Like, you tell him you want a car in Italy, a Ford, he'll say, uh-uh. No, we lose money in Italy. Brazil, we lose money in Brazil. Argentina, lose it. that's over, okay? He is about making money, and the trucks that they make are superb. And David, this maverick, I think, is going to take the world by storm. Try getting a Bronco. Sold out, sold out, sold out. Look at the resale value of the F-150. When you go and look at the resale yep. F-150 is America's most popular pick. Yes, I'm, a, I, I, I'm aware of that. I listen yeah. to Phil LeBeau. Always oh, okay. I hang on every word. I bought a 350 Super Duty. Fantastic. Used. Very good. 27 Gs. Amazing price. Nice. And now I'm getting a Maverick. Okay. Because I want to be able to have an in-city with, with a bed so I can do my planting. Because I am the Gandhi of the garden. As we know you to be. Um... Have you been following shares of Virgin Galactic at all? Oh, it's, follow, the big, you know, it's a short squeeze. Morgan mean, keeps me focused it's on everything. That. Uh, it's, it was up enormously yesterday, down 5-plus percent today. Branson's going into 
can you say space? He's going into, you know, I don't even know the technical trying terms. To regain he's going his up relevance. there somewhere. Yeah. Seventy-year-old tries to regain relevance. Yeah. Oof. What? Wow, that's harsh. Yeah. I mean, uh, you don't like Virgin Galactic? I don't want to go up. Do you want to go up in space? Not in particular. No. No. All right. Why would I, what did I do up there? Never forget this dinner I had with all of these incredibly well-known people and all of them went around, billionaires, they all went around the table, what do you want to do, what's the one thing in life? Every one of them. I want to go to space. It's like, space. Can you guys be a little more creative? No, I want to go to space. They're out of things to do, the billionaires. Everybody want to go to space. They're just, they're out of things to do. They bore the heck out of me. After the break, we're going to have an exclusive with Levi CEO Chip Berg. That company did beat on both the top and bottom lines. And you can see the stock is up. I'm going to say that Tesla just developed a death cross. Dave, that's a chart. Got it. Let's give you the bond report as well. Yeah, how are Treasuries faring this morning? Well, of course, we watched uh, yesterday those yields move uh, lower. Today, higher. Oh, there you Ten go. Years That's above. Why the banks are going, Dave. One point three percent. And again, I daved you. Ooh, you daved me. One point two five was that low. We hadn't seen that since February. Uh, yields still down sharply, though, from earlier in the year, and the ten-year is down ten percent in a month. That is wow. the yield, not the price. Oh the my price God! Try getting up. that mortgage. We're back after this. What actor did I say you were? David, as you know, Levi's just crushed the estimates uh, and raised the outlook rather substantially. One of my favorite CEOs who's done a lot to be able to help the environment, too. We're going to get that. CEO Chip Berg joins us now. Chip, uh, congratulations. This really was the quarter that you talked about could happen when the stock was at 19, 10 points ago. Well done. Thank you very much. Good morning, Jim. Good morning, David. It was I a think, great Chip, quarter. Yeah, you, you got to just, I'm going to go there first, and I know I should wait, but you had a statistic there about waste size. And I just want you to go there. It was in answer to a question, it wasn't in the script. But Absolutely. can you tell us what happened during the pandemic that more people may be buying clothes than we realized because bodies changed during the pandemic? Well, you know, we did have, you know, an excellent quarter, um, and there's a lot of tailwinds and a lot of momentum behind us right now. And one of those dynamics is the fact that um, many people have changed waist sizes during the pandemic. Now, this data is U.S. data only, but about 40 percent of women and 25 percent of men uh, have uh, changed waist sizes, some up, some down. Um, And, you know, that's the impact of being cooped up at home. But beyond that, um, you know, and that obviously gives... uh, a good reason to go out and update your wardrobe. But beyond that, you know, there are other factors. People have been locked at home, you know, for the last 14, 16 months. Now, as uh, the economy reopens, as people are vaccinated and going back out again, uh, travel is beginning to happen again. Social occasions are beginning to happen. Family reunions, all of these things drive wardrobe occasions. And then if you layer on top of that, what we believe are the early innings of a new denim cycle with these looser, more relaxed fits where we've seen a huge bounce in our business behind those new silhouettes. All of this creates the tailwind that generated this 157% growth versus a year ago, admittedly off of a very low base, but we're now nearly back to 2019 levels of revenue. And our outlook assumes that we're going to be ahead of 2019 in the second half of the year. 
Chip, I wish last night on the conference call more people would talk about something you believe in passionately. We're all worried about, particularly the younger generation, about clothes that end up in landfills, uh, clothes that are bad for the environment. You have cared passionately even uh, before the gene cycle uh, about this. And I want you to tell people what you do, because I think you're really a model citizen when it comes to uh, to clothing, to apparel. Well, you know, uh, uh Sustainability is one of the key constraints that we use in our innovation program, and we've innovated with fabrics and fabrication. Uh, we have a line of products right now that offer cottonized hemp, which have sold really, really successfully. Hemp is, is historically, it's a very fibrous fiber, kind of feels like burlap actually, but we've worked with a supplier that has cottonized it and made it very, very soft. And then when you blend it with cotton, you can't tell the difference versus 100% cotton product. And that is a, a far more sustainable um, product that uses much less water in the growing. But I think the thing that I'm most excited about right now is we launched a new advertising campaign this past quarter called Buy Better, Wear Longer, which really does tap into the insight that many young consumers in particular have really embraced, which is don't fill your wardrobe and your closet, you know, door to post, if you will, with clothes. Focus on buying high-quality products that are going to last a long time, that are really, really versatile. And that plays to our sweet spot. I mean, heck, people pay a premium to go out and buy vintage Levi's products. And so our product is known for its quality, and it's known for its resilience and its ability to last through time. A pair of 501s never goes out of style. And so this new advertising campaign has tested really, really well before we put it on air we're now rolling that out across the world. It's really resonating with consumers, and it taps into this this right. know, very valid consumer insight. And something only we can do. The other big thing yeah. that we've done in the last six months or so is Chip. we've launched a secondhand program uh, where we're allowing consumers to upcycle their Levi's through our Levi's store, and then we post that product online. Chip, I want to, yeah, it's David. Uh, and I know, of course, from, from you, shouldn't watch those Levi's too much either. Um, I wanted right. to get to supply chain because I'm curious about what you've been seeing there, whether your ability to navigate it has actually led to some success versus competitors, and whether you anticipate having higher inventories than you might otherwise would because of trying to deal with making sure that you have stuff on hand, given those supply chain problems we hear so often about. Yeah, supply chain has been a real challenge across not just this industry, but as you know, David, across multiple industries. And, um, you know, we're still dealing with a number of supply chain issues, some related to COVID and COVID lockdowns and some of our supplier base. But I would say that, you know, my team, our team has, you know, been burning the midnight oil working through this. And I think we've navigated this much better than most of the industry. We have a very diversified supply base. We operate in more than 20 different countries. Um, we've locked in all of our costs now through the first half of, of next fiscal year. We've locked, locked in most of our manufacturing capacity, but it's a little bit of a game of whack-a-mole as, as COVID hits a particular market and shuts down markets. We've got to be quick and agile and responding. We did say on the call that supply chain impacted our business on the top line by only about seven or $8 million this past quarter. And on a $1.3 billion revenue base, that's really negligible. And I think that's far better than what most others are experiencing. Um, we are going to have to rely on air freight a lot more um, in the second half of the year. 
Um, we're pretty confident about our inventory position. Our inventory's finished down 12% this quarter. Um, and, uh, and, you know, as we look ahead, we will see inventory begin to build towards the end of the end of the second half of the year as we prepare for what we think is going to be a pretty strong next fiscal year. Uh, Chip, one, I, I think that you've really developed Omnichannel a lot uh, ahead of others, and uh, direct-to-consumer worked very well during the pandemic. Now you're back in brick and mortar. At one point, you even say, uh, despite brick and mortar, you're still doing well. I thought that was a, a kind of a funny moment on the call. Where are you in terms of DTC versus actual uh, brick and mortar? Yeah, so our total direct-to-consumer business is now about 40% of our overall business. Our goal is to drive that above 50% in the not-too-distant future. Uh, one of the one of the things that happened during the pandemic is we pivoted very very hard to e-commerce. We actually increased our investment and pulled forward a number of initiatives that were on our three-year roadmap and pulled them all into last year. So we we quickly built capabilities like buy online, pick up in store, buy online, pick up curbside, which became really critical. Ship from store. We were able to manage our inventory when our stores were closed for 10 or 12 weeks last year. We were able to manage that in-store inventory by shipping from the stores. Our e-commerce business, our owned and operated e-commerce business is up 71% okay. versus the same quarter right. two years ago. And, All right, well, Chip, um, I unfortunately I have to wind things up, but I do want to say congratulations. Uh, great quarter, and I wish I did not have to be so rude. because I think okay. Chip's a terrific Good guy. Good talking with you, All Jim. Right. Thank you, Chip. Thank you. Thanks, Chip. All right, we'll be right back, everybody. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back. Only time, really, to find out what you got coming no, up tonight. I to wish you a happy weekend. Thank you. And right. to you. I've and got Lightspeed, which is a point-of-sale company. It's very, very aggressive. And I've got Synoptis, which is a great way to find out, David, how well semis are doing and how well touchscreens are doing. They're integral to the Internet of Things. Have a gardening a li- little bit this weekend, I assume. Uh, a lot actually, of rain, man. A lot my of rain. daughter's back from teaching English in Madrid. Wonderful. It's her birthday. So Enjoy. Enjoy. You've been listening to the opening bell on CNBC's Squawk on the Street. Imagine earning a degree that prepares you with real skills for the real world. Capella University's programs teach skills relevant to your career, so you can apply what you learn right away. Learn how Capella can make a difference in your life at capella.edu.